Blog Talk Radio. Aloha and welcome first to 2017 and our first episode of Talking Pictures for the year. Had to take a little break. I was roughing it, and I mean roughing it, on vacation in Hawaii. Not saying that arrogantly, but it was just so nice to get in touch with friends, recharge the battery, and come up with new ideas and new things to do here for the show. I hope everyone out there had a happy holiday, happy new year, but most of all, I thought you, I hope you guys got to see some good films. I'm a little bit bummed right now, I'm going to be honest with you guys, because of vacation, travel, etc., where I went, I have not seen Jackie O or Lion or Manchester by the Sea. I, I feel like uh, I should have, and before I bring today's guest on, um, I wanted to say that I've actually only seen Fences, which I recommend with Denzel and Viola Davis, richly deserved Golden Globe. And I got to see Hidden Figures yesterday, which I only mentioned because our last guest, Mr. Wynn Thomas, was the production designer of Hidden Figures. Now, if you say Hidden Figures, what? And that's not what you want to see. That's cool. But Mr. Wynn Thomas also did Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X, Inside Man, uh, not a Spike Lee fan. He did Ron Howard's Best Picture Winning, A Beautiful Mind. Cinderella Man, De Niro's directorial debut, A Bronx Tale. So it was wonderful talking with uh, Mr. Wynn Thomas. He gave us a great episode. We talked film history. But for what's going on right now, I've heard check out Manchester by the Sea. I've heard check out Lion later on in this episode. If my guest today wants to mention anything that he's seen, uh, we'll get into that. But as far as I can say, see Fences, Hidden Figures, One's inspiring, Fences is heavy duty, so not a date movie. And now with that, I'm going to introduce my guest for for today. And I want to send a thank you, first of all, to our good friend, Joe, for setting this up. Today's guest is Mr. Dan Myrick. We're going to be discussing his film, Skyman, that's in the works. And also, for all you film fans out there, he was one of the directors of the Blair Witch Project, not the remake, the original. And we'll get into that later because we're here to talk about Skyman. So with that, welcome to the show, Dan. Great to be here. Thank you. We appreciate that. And just briefly, how was how, how your, how's your new year going? It's going uh, really good. We just uh, finished um, my last film, Under the Bed, which premiered on A&E last Saturday, which to to really high ratings. And now we are full steam ahead on Skyman um, for the spring. And uh, so it's busy, but I'm doing well. My wife and two kids are doing great out here in Sierra Madre. So can't complain too much. Well, that's excellent. And plus, your 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 A and E movie premiered on my birthday, so that's the best day of the year to have anything premiere. So, <laughs> you, absolutely, you, you, yeah, you got a double shot there. Um, yeah. So this is great. This is great because uh, we can the audience now here gets that uh, we're going to have some multi talented stuff to talk about and go through. 
And quickly, I'll mention the website. You can flip up another window and listen while we talk about this. Again, Skyman is in the works. You go to skymanthemovie.com, all one word. Sky like the sky above us, manthemovie.com. And great, great. I loved the logo page. The logo page caught me right away. So everyone listening, jump over to it. Uh, You'll be able to find teasers, trailer, press, all kinds of goodies. But we'll get into that with Dan. So um, I guess where we'll start, and I tell every guest this on air, (laughs) the cliche question of... uh, uh, I see that this has some sci-fi to it. So why Skyman? Well, I you know it's sort of in the same kind of wheelhouse as Blair, which was inspired by back when I was growing up in the '70s and '80s. Um, you know the paranormal and UFOs and Bigfoot and Loch Ness monster were you know in the zeitgeist for. you know, um, all through those years. And I even had a UFO club when I was around 13. And uh, so I've always been fascinated with um, kind of UFO subculture. And this idea kind of based on this character of whom claims he was visited as a kid out in the desert with his father while he was camping by this Skyman alien. And now, you know, 30 years later, he thinks he's going to be reuniting with this alien in the very same spot um, was inspired by those, by those days, by the, by, by my childhood. And um, so I've always wanted to kind of do something that was really authentic, um, a sci-fi docudrama, but sort of, um, you know, out of the mainstream. And, um, and this is, you know, a real character driven sci-fi that has some, you know, real kind of crazy moments in it, but, um, but it just was sort of born out of my childhood. Oh, that's really interesting that you say that. Um, you know, of course, we had talked about serendipity on our prelim call uh, because while I was in Hawaii, the biggest lesson that I got, and this is to apply to what you just said, uh, basically the kid in the art, and I think, we all forget to celebrate that. I think when we become adults, we think we have to be adults. I mean, don't get me wrong. We do. You're a dad. You have kids. But um, as artists, I think we forget what a gold mine is in getting back to that innocence, that childhood, good memory. doesn't have to always be bad. So I liked that you said that. Um, now, uh so obviously, did you you grew up in the desert? I did not. I did. I grew up in uh, in uh, the west coast of Florida, of all places. But you, the thing I like about the desert, having lived in California for the last sixteen, seventeen years, is there is a. Um, I'm I'm not surprised that a lot of science sightings and experiencers. Um, originate in the desert. There's just um, it has. It's a very kind of spiritual, otherworldly place. If you you know ever been out there, there's just something um, compelling about the open sky 
and um, and it, I think it serves as a really cool backdrop to a story like this. Um, and uh, you know, you've got Area 51, and um, and there's just a lot of folklore surrounding UFO uh, mythology in that area. So it, I felt it was just a good place to uh, kind of serve as a as a as a style. Um, and thematic backdrop for this for this story, and and, um, and I've always you know I've always been very inspired by it. Well, I I like that that's that's unique, and uh, listeners, guests, uh, our show's motto is we don't say anything the guest wants to hear, so uh, compliments are real. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. our Good. you know we thought when we started this for like. Okay, first motto is, is we don't BS. Um, so right. the desert, as Dan was saying, anybody, you ever get the chance, whether it's New Mexico, Arizona, whether it's California, Mojave, or just Palmdale High Desert, or out to Palm Springs, yes, there's just the magic of it, those places that you go through where you know we won't get into the Native American debate, where some crazy wars went on and you can literally feel the spirits like letting you pass. Um, it's a wonderful place. Uh, it, it takes a bad rap for people just saying, Oh, I want to do acid and go out there. But there, there is something just so serene about sitting out or watching a sunrise or sunset. So uh, the moment I saw desert, I thought this is great because it doesn't have to be cars exploding in New York or uh, some kind of reason to be on the freeway. Now, uh, so you had this, you know, thing that you attached to what you remembered was, uh, how many drafts did you go through or did the, it was it one of those great ideas where it just hit you and it came through to the vision or was this like a long, long process to come, come up with this, uh, Skyman? Well, the original idea has been sort of percolating for for many years um and i had you know sort of saw it as as you know one of my projects that is probably if i ever get it made it's going to be outside the hollywood system it's just a bit unorthodox it doesn't it doesn't fly right over the plate for any genre so it's one of those things i've kept in my back pocket for a long time and more recently, I just finished shooting, just finished this movie, Under the Bed, and I said to myself, you know, after I'm done with Under the Bed, I want to, I want to really seriously dive into Skyman. And so this was, you know, uh, last year. So I, I basically, I've got a small little RV, and I drove it out to Joshua Tree and spent a couple of weeks just pounding out the outline, and um, you know, lived off the grid and. Uh, you know, hiked the desert night and day and just got inspired by being out there. And so it referenced a lot of my general ideas that have been kind of sitting for a long time. But um, but the outline came together pretty quickly. And I plan on going back out there again the end of this month, which will be, you know, we'll document that on the website, but um, to flesh it out. But my intention is very similar to what it was with Blair, where, um, you know, I want to have a very detailed outline um, some dialogue points throughout, but I want to allow, allow the actors to be um, to have the freedom to improvise a lot um, to maintain that sense of authenticity. So, um, so it's a bit again 
out of the comfort zone of a lot of Hollywood executives. So this is this is um, going to be my approach on on Skyman. Well, we all know, uh, you know, keeping the executives out is the number one goal, and uh, we do support studio teams. But as a filmmaker, I can say, or films, I can say yes, no executives. Uh, I, you know, the I, I I'm looking at this, and I'll read the log line, but um, we won't obviously get into it. But I can I can tell when I read. Uh, log lines that there is going to be maybe some subversiveness into it or a nice message and so I'll read this log line here about Skyman again please go to www.skymanthemovie.com so Skyman it was a cool October evening in the middle of the Mojave Desert again please see that the Mojave is just so wonderful when you drive between Vegas and Bakersfield when a young Carl Merriweather had an experience that forever changed his life. After having just received his brand new pellet gun, Carl was on the prowl for wily jackrabbits that inhabited the endless miles of sand and scrub that surround the recently completed family retreat, more accurately described as a glorified bug out shelter by his father. But instead of finding his prey, hunkered under a piece of parched earth or hiding in creosote birch. I might've pronounced that wrong. Um, Carl discovered a far more elusive life form that described from the, that descended from the pristine above heavens above. I'm sorry. I just had eye surgery. So I apologize, Dan. Uh, No problem. Carl claims he was visited by an alien. Um, Now, I like this because this sounds, uh, I mean, I'm already catching some of the metaphors here, you know, hunting and a kid and coming of age and remembering something. And you already mentioned how it kind of goes back to being personal. Um, Is this something, uh, oh, by the way, this is, of course, like a 90 minute or two hour feature, right? Right. Okay. Is this sounds like something and feel free to not answer. This sounds like something that could have like a prequel or that sounds something more like a, a series is, is, is that the, what we're going for here or. I mean, it, it certainly has, you know, a, a, a surrounding mythology and a surrounding, um, you know, uh, themes. You might, you know, my, I guess my bigger picture idea, um, you know, centering around this Carl character is, you know, he's, he's an odd, he's an odd fellow. I mean, he, he has um, mild Asperger's. He has a photographic memory, but, you know, at first blush, you would see he think he's just kind of a white trash redneck, but um, he's super smart. And what I hope to convey on some level is, here's a kid that probably grew up as an outsider, um, claims that he was visited by this alien life form, and now that he's an adult, literally living out of the garage of his sister's house. Um, he's feeling this resurgence, this com- compulsion 
to be reconnected with this alien of his youth. And he's going to document the whole thing. So it's sort of like a redemption story for him. And um, his father, who uh, passed away a few years ago, was probably his only kind of supporter. Um, His mother is now in a kind of a nursing home, and um, his sister sort of tolerates him um, and agrees to come out with him over the weekend as he's going to kind of document this reunion. And he's got his best friend coming with him. But it's, it's, a, it's a character study about a guy that is obsessed, driven, wants people to believe him. Um, you know, it's, some would argue that it could be uh, we're all looking for purpose or a higher power or what have you. Um, don't judge a book by its cover. Um, there will definitely, I hope, to end the movie where the audience is like, wow, maybe he was right. Um, so, uh, so yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of subtext there. I like movies that do that. Um, I like films that sort of challenge your conventions, and um, and I hope that this is a little bit of a kind of a otherworldly spiritual journey for this guy. Um, but at the same time, there'll be some good old fashioned kind of scary moments throughout, and and, and thriller aspects of it, um, but in a smart way, not in not in a superficial or gimmicky way. Ah, uh, okay. I mean, yeah, because I like what you're saying about deeper movies and, you know, a whole other podcast could be done on the debate of now people are, liking, are, are less and less liking to think. But what I always laugh at is, is the two best examples are people that say they don't like Hitchcock movies, but they love thrillers. Or they don't like movies right. that, have, that don't have metaphors or messages. But then you say, what's your favorite movie? And they go, American Beauty. And, yeah. and, it's, and, and that, that sticks out for me because not to be crude and no offense to audience or whatever, but if you watch a movie and the first thing the character is doing is masturbating in the shower, that just says everything you need to know in two seconds. Uh, the right. highlight of my day. I mean, and so I, I love that you said that because I, uh, I appreciate those films where sometimes, I mean, you know how it is where sometimes it's even two weeks later, your friend says something to you and you go, Hey, that was, that was what the character was saying in the movie. Um, so I, so I, I love, love that. that you, yeah. yeah. I love cause, cause at the end of the day, man, I mean, a movie-going experience in any art form, in my opinion, that's worth its salt, is it's, it's, it's first and foremost an emotional experience. You know, you've got to move people. But if you can also get in an intellectual component underneath it all without it feeling like you're doing that, without it being a political commentary on its, on its surface, is that to me when a film really rises is working on all cylinders. I mean, I, one of my favorite stories is about Planet of the Apes really being a commentary on racism, but all the executives just thought it was a cool action movie, you know? Right. And it's, it's, when, it's when films do that, I think it's, it's really awesome. It, yeah, I, you know, it's, um, oh gosh, like just the, not the social message part, but um, if you remember that John Singleton movie, Four Brothers with, Mark Wahlberg and Tyrese Gibson where someone kills their mom and then they come back to Avenger and it's like, had he done that as a Western, it would have never gotten made. But because it was a, in the ghetto of Detroit, it was okay. So it's like, 
I love when directors take, whether it just be the situation or the metaphor or the message, and if you just swap it, then it seems to work. And yeah, yeah. I'm exactly like you. I, I think we could probably have a three-hour podcast about uh, similar taste in movies. Um, I, 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 to me, that, that is the most, like you were saying, emotional and then message that's the most powerful thing you can do. Um, and there's so many movies out there like that. I'm always telling people, if you didn't like it, sometimes you just weren't paying attention. Go back and, and check it out. Now, since we're on that subject, uh, whether it applies to Skyman or just in general as a filmmaker, uh, what are those? And I know you can never ask a filmmaker their favorite film. But what are those four or five films? I call them your house is on fire, your wife and kid are safe, but you got to grab those five DVDs. What, what, what are some of those for you? Um, there, there's a lot, but I mean, certainly, um, you know, children of men would have to be top of the list. Oh, I would say Jacob's Ladder is another one. Um, Close Encounters is one as a kid is one of my kind of you know uh, most poignant movie going experiences. So, I mean, there's there's two or three right there that um, I would I would I would say I would have to throw in my night my knapsack before I headed out of the house. Oh right, I was gonna say it's it's. It's an unfair question. It's like filmmakers need lawyers that say objection. Um, it should be 50 that you grab. Um, or like we all know as filmmakers, we have our, our favorite top 10 that changes daily. Um, yeah. I usually mean it where I narrow it down to like Dog Day Afternoon, Shawshank Redemption, yeah. uh, Some Like It Hot, Serpico, um, and some of those not just because my grandma introduced them to me or bought them. It's just like, Dog, it's a dog day afternoon. That was what yeah, made me uh, want yeah. to have a some career in film. Yeah. yeah. Um, and isn't it the scary sometimes? Yeah. Oh, the conversation. Yes. I mean, John yeah. Cazell, uh, you know, we love to throw out trivia on this show, so I'm sorry to digress for a second here. Or, uh, John Cazell, I mean, the only actor to do five films and all five were nominated for best picture. I mean, and people just think he's yeah. only Fredo. It's like, yeah. um, so all of you out there, if you have not seen dog day afternoon, it's sad to say how hard it is to find, but find it. It is to me, yeah. it's top form Pacino. <laughs> yeah. It's not um, Pacino and, and, and kind of just, uh, it, it just uh, the execution is flawless. Oh yes, and uh, and of course another podcast is Sydney Lamet. We we've actually done a podcast where it was just filmmakers talking film, and we had all kind of agreed like, how do you not start with Sydney Lamet? It was like, right, you know, you 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 know you just have to almost like, um, but again, here we go, film junkies going off in the to right field. Um, so those are, so children of men I'm thinking of and, and Skyman, 
Children of Men, for those of you that don't know, another one that's hard to find, which will get harder to find, and we will not get into the politics of what's going on in the world, but Clive Owen, genius, uh, Alfonso Caron, um, to me, E2 Mama Tambien is one of the best films made, but for you, Dan, so let's say Children for Men, um, Children of Men, what... What is something for you that, that you pull from that? I'm always interested in the specifics of the inspiration that you pull, that a filmmaker pulls from something. I think for me, any great film or filmmaker um, is the attention to detail. Um, you know, it's, it's the difference between, you know, a, a fine car where even if you pull the dash out, you see how much work went into the engineering, how much work went into making all the connections just right and everything versus a, a crappy SUV, which has got plastic flares on the tires and on, you know, it's, it's, it's the attention to detail, every frame, every scene, every shot, the lighting, the production design, the performance, it, it just, it just drips with, that attention um, that a lot of thought went behind every moment. And that's, you know, if you're a filmmaker, you, you know how extremely demanding um, that can be. And, uh, and that, uh, and it all works. It all, it, it, it doesn't, it does, for me, it doesn't come across as pretense. It comes across as serving the story. And that's, um, it's that authenticity that, that um, I really appreciate. I really, um, it's a ballsy movie, uh, uh, cinematically, thematically, um, performance-wise. It's just everything. Um, it's, you know, you're, you're just in the hands of a filmmaker that really has control of his craft. Oh, what a perfect way of putting it. I mean, I know with, gravity and and I'm not one of those people that goes oh you should know this you should know that but I'm hitting that age where I go wait a minute it was the two mama Tombi and it wasn't gravity that gave him his break (laughs) plus he had made films before that and he has wonderful shorts children of men just before we move back into some skyman stuff personally I made the dumbest mistake of watching that at like 11 o'clock at night with my uh, I hate saying X, but last girlfriend. And that was just too creepy to be watching that late. Yeah. But as you said, <laughs> you know, you're in the hands of, it's like, you can't turn off Sidney Lumet. You can't turn off Scorsese. So you're just like, I'm going to go with this. And the next morning over breakfast, it was like, there was like no conversation. It was just like, okay, see you later. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and, and, and like we both know, um, I mean, my favorite saying is, Art doesn't always have to look like a beautiful woman. Um, right. Now, as we get in here, I'm just going to go around the website. Congratulations on this press. I mean, uh, Variety and Yahoo News and, yeah. uh, you know, speaking of Variety, now that you're on Talking Pictures, you've made the big time. Um, yes. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, but this is really cool that you got to um, be in these things, and uh, some of them, they sound uh, genre maybe 
uh, Sears magazine. But I love to see that the press is is still paying attention to the indies, and they're not just saying Denzel this, Denzel that. Um, you guys can even go to this website, and uh, I it, this I assume this is. Oh wait, it says email description upload. Do they have to requ- they request to see some auditions? No, we have an online um, audition process where I've reached out to the community, and um, and we, you know, I did this on my one of my last movies called The Objective, where we asked um, people to audition from all over the world and upload their auditions to our site, and I could review them, um, and we cast one of our leads through that process. So. I'm doing the same with Skyman where, you know, we have, you know, three, three key leads in, in the movie, but we have a lot of supporting roles, people that have had UFO experiences, stuff like that. So I've invited the general public to, you know, tell me what you've seen, or if you want to audition as an actor, give me, put yourself on your web camera and upload it to our site. And I'm checking them out every day. And, um, and uh, and we'll we'll uh, very likely cast some of these people through that process. Oh, okay. Well, first of all, thank you for doing that. And second of all, I told you on the phone, but I have to disclaim myself with the audience. Uh, I always do my research right before the show, and today my computer was just messing up, and so I am not one of those hosts that didn't look over the site. <laughs> I feel so utterly rude the one time that it happened. So please out there, this show is about Dan, but uh, gosh, I cannot stand hosts when they haven't paid attention. So, so Dan had given me the website again, one minute before we went on. So uh, again, for that snafu and you know, just honestly, I want to say with no religious tone to it, bless you for giving people a chance that are out there. You know, it's like, I always say, you know, the next Meryl Street might be a waitress at a truck stop. And yeah, they usually we'll never, are. <laughs> yeah, and, and we'll never know because she just thinks all she can do is serve steak or she lives out in Bakersfield. Um, let's see. Uh, I see that this is here, but... Uh, you, oh, you guys can also please subscribe to the Skyman. Uh, are these monthly emails or are these just updates about the film? Uh, what do you think about the film? And, you know, I, I try not to bombard people with too much, you know, spam stuff. I mean, you know, my, right. my intention with this is to keep people informed that are interested in our process. There's, I have a lot of young filmmakers that want to know sort of the nuts and bolts of how indie films get made. So I'm, I'm including a lot of just, um, you know, some techie stuff as we move forward that, that could be helpful to people. But overall, it's just a general kind of, update to keep people informed on how we're, how our process is moving along and then occasionally it'll be something like this like you know if you've got a if you've got a wannabe actor or actress in the family they may want to upload their stuff to our site you know and it'll be notices like that occasionally and um so yeah i mean i love again it's it's about authenticity for me and you know i incorporated um you know using real people um you know, on uh, you know a movie we shot in Morocco um, called The Objective, and um, I even cast real uh, military guys because it was sort of a military themed film, and 
same goes for Blair Witch. We had a lot of real people um, involved in that. So it's just, it's going to be a combination of, you know, trained actors and, and real people that want to be in the movie. And that, to me, just really lends itself to kind of the sense of authenticity that, that I want on this. Oh, okay, I see. Because now, without being personal about your religion, because we would never get into that with guests or pry, um, I was just as you were talking and I was listening, I looked at believers. Now, there seems to kind of be a, whether it's spiritual or religious themed, um, is that just uh, obviously in you? But I know, like, uh, we're all influenced by Scorsese. He does that well, and there's those few filmmakers who who like to always have something in that. Is that a is that a strong point for you to have involved with each film that you do? I mean, I don't I don't think I necessarily do it consciously. I, I think what what intrigues me more so is is about the human condition and how. Um, how people have this sort of innate need to seek a higher purpose or, uh, you know, an, an intelligence beyond their own. Um, I find that sort of fascinating about us as a species. And, um, and it comes packaged in various forms, whether it's UFOs or, um, you know, religion or, you know, even politicians for that matter. I mean, there's, we, we, we have a tendency to want, um, at least a lot of us, to want to have some kind of grander purpose. And, and um, so like Believers that we did for Warner Brothers was sort of built around this notion of a cult, like a Jim Jones cult, um, end, of the, end of the world cult. And, and my, my little twist on it was like, what if they were right, you know? And um, and then you know, uh, I I had some of those similar themes in the objective, which was more of a military-based film um, about you know uh, a commentary about us as a, as a as a world power sort of getting involved in a foreign situation that we just don't understand, and um, in pursuit of some kind of higher ideal and so this Simon I guess has some similar themes but on a personal level um, that this guy is you know looking for purpose in his own way and 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 yeah I think that's sort of a common denominator in a lot of stuff that I've done Um, and but I think more so I just like kind of challenging people to think a little bit you know I'm I'm a victim of of sort of generalizing and kind of seeing something and judging a book by its cover. And then, um, and then when it challenges me that that's not the case, it, it's, a, it's a pretty cool feeling in my opinion that um, you, you're, you're constantly being challenged by what your conventions are. And, and I like when films do that. And I think I, I try to bring that to what I do. Okay. Cause my, like what you're saying, like for me, my favorite director is Oliver Stone. And of course people are always saying, Oh, he's hitting your eyes. And I go, no, he's making you think. And the more you feel yeah. it over the head, it's just because you're thinking and it gives you a headache to just not see Iron Man shooting someone. Now, uh, the objective, was this theatrical? 
Yeah, I went had a limited theatrical run, and then eventually IFC picked it up, and it has become okay. sort of like a cult film. Um, okay. I was going to say, because I've heard yeah. of it, and I, and I remember yeah. I remember hearing about the limited theatrical, and of course, in 2008, we were, you know, that was, uh, I will say this, this is my opinion, the guest's opinion is the guest, so we always do that disclaimer, but uh, I remember 2008 being that, just where I was at in Sacramento, that peak of even people that were for the war were starting to get sick of it. And yeah. especially with a new president coming in, they saw a great place to put the blame on someone. But I, now that uh, as I was, I reread the synopsis and then heard you saying it. Um, I do remember this uh, story. And you know, as far as you know, getting involved in things we don't know. Gosh, I think we've thought of five other podcasts we can do uh, if you're not busy this week. <laughs> um, <laughs> The no, Dan and again, we kind of get we we get back to sort of like housing, you know, a, a subtext within a movie that you know is kind of emotionally driven. I mean, this you know this on the objective was you know a group of special forces guys that were being led by the CIA operative going out into the Afghanistan you know outback to to see some you know so-called radioactive signature that they were pursuing, and they ended up. Um, you know, getting really fucked over, and um, and you know, again, we we cast some real SF guys, we cast some real military guys to keep the authenticity real, um, and it was a great experience. We shot it all in Morocco, um, but yeah, awesome. underneath underneath all that, there's there's a, there's a commentary, a political commentary, if you will, but nothing that hits you over the head, um, and it has since become you know, a real kind of cult favorite among the military of all, of all, of all people. They, they were really appreciative of how much attention to detail to the tactics that we used and, um, and, and didn't turn their, their, their SF guys into a bunch of Hollywood, um, you know, gung-ho jarheads and whatnot. So that, that, was, that was cool. Uh, okay, you know, now this is ringing even more of a bell because my friend was in the Marines, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm not allowed to say where he went and what he saw, but obviously it fits this movie. And so now it's ringing even more of a bell because he asked me one time that I kept, I was trying to think here while we were talking, why it sounded so familiar. And he had mentioned a few films to me, like, if you kind of want to have an idea, uh, the worst thing he ever said to me was Black Hawk Down best describes some of the stuff I've seen. And um, I've known him 24 years and I just said, I wish you wouldn't have told me that. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, these, these guys, um, I always take the time to say we, you know, every time I hear someone and I'm guilty, I've done it once or twice of, Oh, my phone's not charged. It's like, okay, well you also haven't been bombed. So right. and choose. <laughs> um, you haven't, yeah. you haven't had yeah. your friend's brains on your face. Um, but right. first, the last thing I'll say is, is thank you for making a movie like that. I, I really admire filmmakers who were willing to go out, especially at that time. Now I call it the, like, we forget that a war is even going on, but, but ha my father's a Vietnam veteran. So, so thank you for giving that time to the, um, to the soldiers and the topic, um, uh, jumping back into Sky Man, I really want you guys to see the 
teaser, again, www.skymanthemovie.com. What I loved about this teaser is that every teaser obviously is supposed to leave you wanting to see something. And this teaser managed to do that Hitchcock thing where I always say, you know, the first time you see a Hitchcock movie, you want to fast forward because you're just like, enough already. Like, okay, I'm in suspense and now I'm getting twitchy. Um, Right. So I, so I loved that this was just, you have to tune in, buddy. So congrats to you or your editor or whoever put that together, the concept. I thought that was uh, really, really cool. Is there anything you can sh- you can share about how you came about that concept for the teaser? Well, it's, it's tricky because, you know, we haven't shot the movie yet. And I'm, you know, following – a lot of the same path we did on Blair where we're sort of just setting up some of the backstory and setting up some of the tone of a movie that is yet to be shot. So the challenge was kind of conveying, you know, what I want to avoid um, is, is this film coming across as, Oh, Blair guy's doing another found footage film. That's not what this is. Right. Um, this is sort of like, um, for the lack of a better description, it's, it's sort of like Earl Morris meets John Carpenter in a way, um, where it's what I love about Earl Morris's work is his sense of cinema and style, but within a documentary subject matter. And right. the subtext he's able to bring um, to his visuals that I, I find kind of genius. Um, so there's a little bit of that going on, and I wanted to convey a sense that, oh, this film's going to be very cinematic. It's going to have um, a lot of visual tone um, and, and messaging visually. So that was part of the purpose of the teaser. And then the straight-up simplicity of just laying it out in text that um, – this is what happened in 87, and now we're going to go back out and check it out again. Come, come along with us for the ride. Um, so, again, it's, it's trying to, trying to um, uh, have it on multiple levels, but also knowing that we haven't actually shot the movie yet. So you're trying to create something that conveys what you want, but without the actual material. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I, almost like cart before the horse. I mean, that's, that's, really, that's really cool and, and almost like a – fun probably learning creative challenge because how many people get to um uh what do you call uh paint the color scheme before you have the brushes i mean that's that's a, right that, yeah i, I mean <laughs> it, yeah i mean there's certainly uh, a lot of great uh you know, we've shot some stuff ourselves and i've been out we've been out location scouting and getting photographs and you know, I've got a first draft of the script done. So we have a lot of work done, and there's a couple of, like, interviews I've done with, with experiencers that, you know, we're including. And I'm also cutting another another version of the teaser now as we speak in my little edit suite on my studio. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's you know, if, if, if the audience is willing to, like, step outside of their comfort zone of the typical Hollywood marketing campaign and here's our movie, here's our trailer, you know, 
Um, it, it comes out on December 25th on theaters near you. I mean, I'm sort of inviting people at an early stage to sort of like walk through this process with me as I kind of organically formulate it in my head. And um, and this original teaser is sort of that start of that process. Um, and I hope people that, that do tune in will kind of see the evolution of of the film as 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 we go through it, because certainly even through production, things are going to change. Um, the edit process, things are going to change. They always, I think somebody once said that you always have three movies: the one you write, the one you shoot, and the one you edit. <laughs> three different. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that that I fully anticipate um, to to happen. But, but yeah, I mean, it's just. I'm just throwing it all out there and some things are going to stick. Some things are not going to stick, but, um, but I think the style and the tone and the sincerity behind what we're doing here is very real. And, um, and it's going to be, it's going to be something different. It's going to be um, an experience that isn't normal, normal um, for what you might expect. Um, out there, and I think um, I think that's just fun. That's that's when filmmaking is fun for me. Well, yeah, I mean the, the experimentation. I once met a filmmaker in Chicago who was a chemistry major, and I said chemistry film, and he said, "Well, when you think about it, writing's an element, editing's an element, so it's just how to figure out how the elements go together." And I never forgot that. That always floored me. Um, yeah, talk- that's a very good analogy. Yeah, and I, and 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 this talk and show together, and being together in, they create an entirely different element. <laughs> oh, right, exactly. Like you were saying, um, uh, because I uh, got into film journalism due to some health reasons, but I was very blessed to produce a few features and shorts, and I directed one short. So when you said the three different films. It, if I was to show you the notes of the first draft in the script, you know darn well, it, it's some, I mean, like how some, you know, audience members, and this is not pretentious, uh, non-filmmakers, I mean, they have no clue how it's like, you know, you wrote Chinese and you got a Russian film. Right. <laughs> and yeah. you, I mean, and that's, that's the only traces of- you see is the characters' names didn't change. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the first lessons I try to convey to to young filmmakers is is um, you know one of the one of the realities that you that you wake up to when you're making a movie is that um, oftentimes what you're shooting is not exactly what you had in mind when you wrote it, and part of your job as an artist is to find a way to embrace that that oftentimes it's going to be better than what you wrote. Um, if it's not, you know, certainly you want to want to make changes, but but being okay with that dynamic change that 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 um, sometimes when an accident happens or when an edit works out just right, it's greater than the sum of its parts, and and you and you need to be secure enough to embrace that when it happens. Oh, what a perfect way of putting it. I mean, John Ford's famous saying, "Happy accidents." I mean, I. I uh, love that you're saying that because, you know, uh, what was the other Kurosawa saying when he was 93? He said, I, I think I finally figured out how to make movies. 
Um, <laughs> I mean that that to me, like I think we're I think we're similar, and most filmmakers are. Where where the most fun is uh, maybe not knowing what you're going to get that day, or even that just that moment, or like you're saying, editing. Like you have this great cut, but then something happens to you personally, and you're like, wait a minute, that cut sucks. So. Uh, it has nothing to do with your film. You're just like, my grandma said something to me and now I'm thinking differently. Um, right. So, yeah. you know, that that's just for audience and also to, uh, you know, that's why we have crew on the show or other people because of how many people, when it says a Martin Scorsese film, he ain't working the crafty table. Um, no. You know, he's earned and the right to not pull cord. it's just, it's just time. I mean, right. I, I try, this is the, one of my biggest beasts with Hollywood is everything is so compressed. And, you know, sometimes when you write a script and you, you need to let the draft sit for a few months and you come back and you'll be blown away by some scene that you felt was insurmountable clicks immediately or some problem you had, you take one moment out or one line out or you make one change in a line and it fixes everything. And you just didn't see your nose for your face when you were immersed in it. So sometimes right. it just takes stepping away. Right. And it goes with an edit. You just, you know, get away from it for a while, clear your head, go do another project or what have you. And the process in Hollywood doesn't allow for that. And that to me is, you know, what Skyman is about is allowing for that organic process to kind of, you know, take take place in a natural way. Hopefully, um, it, it'll be productive. But but that's I to, to me that's just with the artistic process is is allowing for some of that time as well as, as well as the collaboration. Right. I mean, there's yeah, there's got to be the time. And I think what I what I'm really liking about how we're doing this is that um, for for some of those out there the. The other reference point is going to be Blair Witch. And I remember, uh, I, I can no longer watch it because my epilepsy, the shakiness of the camera. But, um, you know, I just remember, you know, we're I'm 19 and the girl I'm dating just has to see it three times. And, and you know, we don't know at 19 that we don't need to listen to them. Um, no offense, <laughs> you're married. I'm speaking for myself. Um, it's like, no, but I want to see this movie. We've seen it three times. This is going to be the third time. Like, I want to see everything in the cinema. Um, yeah, but, uh, that was, I'm just going to tell what I told you on the phone the other day, because I really want people to support this, not just because it's a guest or not just because I can tell by the way we've hit it off. I, it, uh, when he has time, we will invite him back for panels and Skyman updates, but, so you guys know that this is a real filmmaker who is not just giving back because this is 15 years down the road. Uh, when I was going to film school, Blair Witch was six months before. This was when email was kind of new. They had a public email and I emailed and um, now I call him Dan, but before I called him Mr. Myrick, even though a few times he told me to call him Dan, I was just so young and um he, Dan would give me advice for film school and filmmaking. Didn't know me from the man on the moon and even was courteous enough to take the day. We're having to stop this email. Too many people are using it. And to even do that in 
in Hollywood or where you were at with that movie being so huge and storming the world. Uh, I always tell people uh, when younger filmmakers ask me how to do anything in the business, I just say, shake hands, be your word. And if you're going to be five minutes late, let them know. There's really no yeah. secret. So, so the fact, the yeah. very fact that you didn't vanish made that name stick in my brain. So when blank said, do you want to in- interview Dan Myrick? I said, Oh my gosh, I get to thank this guy from 16 years ago who, who was courteous enough to say that he wasn't going to be able to email me anymore and not just vanish into the, the phenomenon. So um, I'm telling you as audience that, that uh, we always need to support filmmakers, but this is even more reason to support Skyman because he does appreciate the support and the audience. Um, now that we're heading into six minutes left, I guess what we'll do is I'll say before we open up the floor to you, that's usually what we do for the last two or three minutes. We let the filmmakers say anything they want. Um, I would love to know uh, on the professional side, do you have a main lesson that you would share from the Blair Witch being the phenomenon that it was? Um. Well, certainly it took us by surprise. Um, Both Ed Sanchez, my directing partner on it, and myself, you know, back in the day, thought we had a pretty cool concept and a pretty good, good idea. But um, we we didn't have any idea how it was going to really kind of blow up like it did. And you know, one of the big things that I think we learn through sort of that trial by fire is how little everyone else knows. <laughs> um, right. There's certainly there's certainly those agents and producers and whatnot that all want to surround. They're 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 drawn like moths to a fire, right? But um, but nobody, you know, people that you would assume were incredibly knowledgeable in the business completely called it wrong. And those that didn't called it right. It's just, um, you know, take all that with a grain of salt. Um, this is a creative, a creative business at the end of the day. Um, and I'd like to tell people that, you know, we are the golden gooses. We're the ones that are that are that are um, coming up with the concepts that everybody wants to make movies and money off of. Um, and yeah, there are trends and there are tastes that people try to appeal to, but Blair Witch, if nothing else, is yet another example of the rules sort of being broken. Something comes out of left field without any names in it by a bunch of unknown filmmakers that, that makes a bunch of money at the box office and proves all those experts wrong. Right. So, you know, just understand the good and bad of this business is that nobody knows what they're talking about, <laughs> and, um, and and um, and that you can you can you know if, as long as you're true to true to what you're you know um, what you're making and that you're passionate about what you're making because it's a war it's a, it's a battle it's like going to, going off overseas to fight a foreign enemy you better be you better be committed to the cause because it's going to take a lot out of you um, but 
nobody really knows if at the end of the day it's going to hit or not. It's just, you know, every time I turn around, there's another movie that we thought was going to be huge at the box office, fell flat on its face, right. and vice versa. So that's that's the beauty of, of the art form is that, you know, no one really knows. Yeah, you have to be... And thank you for that for sharing that. Um, the uh, that I mean, yeah, that is the beauty of it. And um, again, www.skymanthemovie. We're down to two forty-five. But um, on that point, I just wanted to say that I what, what I love about who I collaborate with is I call it the. You have to either be willing to stand next to me at Sundance or be floating on a piece of ice outside the Titanic. And <laughs> I, think those, I think that is the best way to put collaborators because the second yeah. I sense somebody just wants to get into that party or that perk, I just kind of go, hey, you know, I, I, don't need, I don't need people to toast with me. So um, yeah. as we hit our two-minute warning, as always, we, we thank you for your time, Dan. You were... Welcome back anytime. I'll, of course, shoot you emails when we have panels or we even tell guests if they see something really cool and they want to review it and tell other people about it. Or if, if sometimes we do episodes where we talk about a director, if, you know, just whatever works for people's schedule, we're open. And, uh, you know, please, I know you'll keep us updated on Skyman. And then uh, we call... We call it Cousins of the Talking Pictures Family Tree. So welcome to the family. And, uh, I, and, and yeah, today was just exciting. So um, it was any great. Last I appreciate it, Paul. And it's, it's a great family to be a part of. And, and it's an honor, to, honor to, be a, to be included. So much. I mean, I always, I always end that with, unless you hang up the phone and say, why did I just talk to that guy? People are welcome back. <laughs> so, and so good, far, we've had a hundred percent success rate. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Excellent. Well, you have a wonderful day. My best to you and yours, and and I look forward to the next time we chat. Okay, Paul. Take care. Aloha. Okay, aloha. And that was great talking with Dan Myrick. I'm going to wrap it up like I always do. I haven't said this in weeks. No matter when you're listening, morning, afternoon, night, or whatever other time of day there is, make sure and watch a good movie today. Aloha and my opinion only. Peace in this upcoming week. We sure need it. Aloha. <laughs>